Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. I hope all of you are well and safe out there. And how are you, my man? I'm hanging, man. Living to die another day. Yep, great. Yeah, that's 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 life in general, it feels. But speaking, you know, life and things of that nature, we're, we're, let's talk a little MLB posting. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, a lot of game playoff, it's kind of it's set, and a lot of teams. I, I think it's interesting, and we kind of we kind of hit on it a little bit last week. We really didn't delve. We just kind of previewed the matchups in terms of who's playing who. But one of the things that I really am liking about what I love about postseason baseball, and you kind of saw it with the Mariners and Astros game, where when you thought the Astros were completely out of it. Here they come, winning late eight to seven. It's 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 something about playoff baseball that brings the best. And I always say this before I get your thoughts. I've always said that the regular season counts, obviously, but there are just some teams who are regular season built and postseason built, which is two separate beasts. So just because if a team struggles, you know, to kind of limp into the playoffs, you know, don't take it as oh, well, they're going to be terrible in the postseason. It's just that some teams' mindset is like, okay, as long as we get our spot, we get our stuff in, we're cool. We can. We, it doesn't matter where we are, you know how we how we rank. Let's get in there and let's play some ball. So I just want to get your thoughts. Get your thoughts on the postseason early on some of your some of your early thoughts because like I said it's early early time, and to see if you're if you're going to stand down and and double down on your pick that you made last week. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 doubling down on it, man. I I think that uh, so first and foremost, I think there is enough salts out of the borough of Queens that can suffice enough Chinese restaurants, hibachi restaurants, and 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 chilies nationwide from from the 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 nation of of the New York Mets. Um, they led. It was like a hundred and something days I, you know i don't have the stat in front of me unfortunately but you know i mean they led the majority of the year in first place lose the 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 pennant and then get knocked out first round I mean, yeah <laughs> i mean you can't ask for a worse and 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 that's exactly what you touched on is you know baseball i think is the hardest to play long term mm-hmm. and it's the largest chess match out of professional sports you know um I think basketball is what eighty games a year. Uh, uh, eighty-two, yeah. Eighty-two games, okay. Um, you know, the NFL, you essentially have seventeen, but you're really playing, or yeah, you know, seventeen games. Uh, baseball, you're playing one hundred and sixty-two games. You have one hundred and sixty-two opportunities to to make it to the top of the mountain. Then playoffs, you know, and then and then what makes things worse? You have one hundred sixty-two games, and let's say you're a mediocre team. Then you get a wild card spot. Then you got to play to get in the playoffs, and then you get in the playoffs, and then you got to play through the playoffs, get your divisional championship, then play the war. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of baseball at the end of the day, um, and I think you touched on it perfectly. Is that teams are built for uh, 
uh, the the regular season, not the playoffs. Maybe the playoffs, not the regular season. But the unfortunate thing is you need to play in the regular season to make it to the playoffs. That's always the uh, hardest concept. And, you know, and some players, I don't know if it's like a mental crutch or what it is, you'll get 162 games of outright stellar performance game one of the playoffs. That That's it. Um, you know, one of the late Yankees, third baseman, Alex Rodriguez, would give you 162 games, slapping 40-plus homers or, uh, a year, 100-plus ribbies a year. Uh, you know, get you some stolen bases, some good groundwork on third base, you know, uh, running and gunning, knocking people out at first, put him in the postseason. His batting average is in the hundreds. And, 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 it's, and that's just a thing that's not just him. It's all around the league. Um, so I definitely think that we're seeing that. And then we're seeing teams like the Mariners who essentially shouldn't be there. And then they're standing toe-to-toe with the Astros and essentially almost had them, you know, dead to rights. And then kind of gave it away at the end there. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those unfortunate things. But, um, you know, so, so like you covered, you know, it's 8 uh, 7 Astros won uh, game one of the series. Uh, Philadelphia uh, and, and Atlanta had a good little shootout 7 6. Phillies are leading the series 1 0. Uh, the Padres and the Dodgers are, of course, you know, they're, they're knocking through game, uh, game one. Dodgers 1 3 5. And then the Yankees playing Cleveland. Cleveland's one of those teams. Cleveland, I, I don't know if it's just the AL in general, the AL Central in general, that they make it to the postseason and just absolutely crumble. Uh, and, and that's exactly what Cleveland did. Um, I'm still standing on a, on a New York Yankee, Los Angeles Dodger World Series. I think this would probably be one of the best World Series in modern years, and just in my humble opinion between the depth of the uh, the rosters, the depth of the uh, the bullpens, the way that the bats uh, are, are igniting, and I, just everything in general. I think that would be, uh, you know, just just, in a, just a great World Series at the end of the day. Um, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things. I'm I'm very excited to see how this turns out. Especially, I think the uh, the the game to the the games to watch though are going to be the the Mariners and Astros because we might see an overconfident Houston ball club look down upon uh, an under an overachieving Seattle ball club and say, ah, you know, they're nobody. It's that David versus Goliath thing. And well, if if we all get into that biblical shit, that we 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 know what happened there. <laughs> It's it's super interesting, and, and you make a very strong point about that. But when I look at the Astros, I think they understand, especially after especially after last year, and what happened to them in the postseason last year. I think they understand that they really you really can't overlook because in a way, Chris, I kind of felt they overlooked the Braves. A lot of people did last year. Oh yeah, a lot of, a, a lot of people did. So so I think now when you have like I say, Dusty Baker, one of my favorite managers like i said should have had a ring with the cubs but bartman i'm not gonna go down that go down traverse to that road again but what i will say is this it is that before we transition you know i i stand by what i talked about as well i do believe that if we get yankees astros for the pick if we if we get that chris I think the winner of that series 
to me should be the should be the favorite to win the World Series. And the reason why I'm not picking one or the other because I there's it's 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 different factors for me on why I can make a case for both. When I look at the Yankees, to me, they're pitching to me. I I spoke about this a while back. Their pitching had to be better for me to convince me that they were legit. And they addressed it and they knew it. And like I said, I'm not I'm not a Yankee fan, but people who saw like, oh, if that back end, especially the back end of the bullpen. And that back in the bullpen, listen, no one's expecting Mariano Rivera. There's only one of him. But just more consistency in the back end of that bullpen. And I think the bullpen has gotten better. And for the Astros, to me, it's just interesting. I look at them offensively, and I just go, they, they can match. This match, is just, it just feels evenly matched when it comes to the Yankees and the Astros. And I kind of believe that the winner, like I said, the winner of that, whoever, like I say, with the Dodgers, I don't know if I'm 100% sold, not because I don't think they're great, but it goes back to the point I mentioned at the start of the segment. Some teams are regular season built and some are postseason built. Are the Dodgers postseason built? Like they have, we have Mookie Betts on your team. You got Clayton Kershaw. Arguably, you can make a case. He's making this case. It's probably one of the best left handers all of all time. And we're talking. Koufax, we're talking Glavlin, we're, we're talking Randy Johnson. We're, we can make a case for that. So I'll just be, so I'll, so I'll just stick with the one of the AL. And like I said, my mind might change. It happens all the time. But speaking of changing, let's transition over to college. Before, before we jump over to college ball real quick, one thing I wanted to touch on, you're talking about the back of the Yankees bullpen. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of, of, uh, uh, riffraff going on there right now i don't know if you saw the article or just the situation with chapman yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah it, to me I, I'll, I'll just say my little piece on it and i'll get your thoughts as the yankee fan and i i was watching espn and i was watching eduardo perez who i really like to watch you know analyze maybe but he said something to me that stood out and i think it's true like Araldo chapman is not some young guy that's no, thirty-four years old. He's a he's a veteran. He's a veteran guy, and for you, essentially, you know, didn't tell the team. You didn't tell Aaron Boone. You didn't tell Cash. You didn't tell any of the important people who needed to know that hey, you're going to to Florida. You just went on your own volition, essentially, and then you kind of expected, oh well, I can just come back and pitch, right? That's not how it works. That's uh, that's 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 like imagine if one of us. If we had a, we tell our job, we're, we we don't tell them where we're going, but we're supposed to be at work. Oh, we gotta, we're heading down to South Beach, or we're heading down, we're we're at a ball game. That's not gonna we'll be work. employed very long. And if we come back and like, oh, I still have a job, right? Are you serious? Like they have our boxes ready, our proverbial boxes ready for us to go. But to me, even with without Chapman, I still think the pitching will be fine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be fine, but I think I think in the grand scheme of things, it's actually going to be better. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, exactly. So it's so you make a decision like that. I don't think it's the worst decision in the world because of the fact that a Araldus knew better. Like, let's let's be super clear on that. Like, there's no defending the fact that you, your team needs you, and and it and all you had to do was just follow proper protocol. That's that's it. Aaron, like I say, Aaron Boone's your manager. 
someone in the front office, like Brian Cashman, somebody needed to know, hey, I'm going, nobody signed off on it. And so he really walked in the door and thought, well, I'm going to go warm up. I'm like, what do you think you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, it's, it's really mind blowing. Um, you know, if, you know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Um, I, I definitely think now more than, than before that I think both parties have zero interest in re-signing with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, number one, he's 34 years old. That's getting up there in age for a pitcher. And then for the money he's going to want and the performance that he's had really isn't that great. Um, if you, you know, you look at his numbers throughout this season, he, for as, as a closer, his ERA was 4.46. Yeah. That's closer. way too high. That's way 46 high. outings. And in those 46 outings, he had 43 strikeouts, 36 walks. That's a scary ratio right there. That is terrible. And that's in 36 in the third innings. So you do the math on that. That's, I mean, that, that's a lot of blown saves. I mean, yeah, he did get a couple wins and, you know, and then things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, I, 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 you know, as a player, I don't care whether you're playing Pop Warner ball, high school ball, uh, Division two, Division one college or professional you know your schedule. You know when the mandatory OTAs, mandatory workout mm-hmm. meetings. You have a schedule. As a high school athlete, you have a schedule. As a 34-year-old adult playing a professional sport for a living, you had dev- damn sure have a schedule. Um, I, I, I think that what it was is I, I think he knew that his time was up in, in New York. I think that – he knew that he wasn't wanted and that he was like, yeah, you know what, then whatever. If you don't want me, then I'm out then. Mm-hmm. I think it's still very disrespectful to the clubhouse. I think it's disrespectful to his teammates. And most importantly, uh, I think it's disrespectful to the skipper, to Aaron Boone, is that, you know, if you want out, I, I, I truly think, and if he really, really wanted out, he could have walked into Aaron Boone's office and said, you know what, I know you don't want me here. I know you don't even plan on having me on the roster. Uh, just, I, I'll just stay home. I'll, I'll sit this one out. Yeah, That would have been the professional thing to do. You know, the fact that uh, he, he didn't, you know, that I think that leaves a, a tarnish on him. And it's already hard in, in professional sports as a 34-year-old uh, athlete to go and continue to play. I, I, I don't care what sport it is, whether it's baseball, hockey, soccer, football, whatever, except golf, just because, you know, golf is a whole thing. You know, you got Phil Mickelson out there still slaying it. Um, but, you know, uh, when you're that, have some professionalism, have, have the professional courtesy to inform your team what's going on. And, you know, now as a general manager, so if I'm, the New York Mets or the Atlanta Braves or the Tampa Bay Rays or uh, the Kansas City Royals for all I care about. If I'm a GM or a skipper of that ball club and I see that Chapman's available, I don't know if I would go to him. Number one, his declining performance in his age is already a risk factor. And then B, am I going to have to put up with the personality issue? It's, you know, we talked about it before with the situation with like Antonio Brown or Tom Brady or Colin Kaepernick, you have these, these hyper personalities or these, these eccentric or however we want to look at it. Like if you're a good player, you can kind of be an asshole at the end of the day. Tom Brady is arguably the best quarterback ever. He 
he can kind of fluff his, his peacock feathers if he wants. Then on the hindsight of it, with the situation with Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick's numbers were severely declining as his political stance became more and more widely known. And it's like, you can't be bad at your job and cause problems in the workplace. Like no matter what, you shouldn't cause problems in the workplace, but at least if you're good at your job, it kind of gives them a reason to keep you. Like you can't be a bad person and a bad employee at the same time. Like you essentially got to choose one or the other. Um, yeah. And yeah. this is the situation with Chapman is that, he his his numbers are down. He's not performing, and then he's going to cause problems in the clubhouse. If I was a GM, if I was a skipper, I would not roll the dice on him. I would rather go out and go get somebody that at least I know I can control, and that will at least show up. He might lose, and he might blow a save for me, but he will show up to mandatory workouts. That's yeah. your sense on it. Yeah, and I'll just say this before we definitely tra- before we transition to college. You know, we used the Brady example. Brady told the team he wasn't going to be there. When they had mandatory trip, he yeah. told them. So he told them. So he followed. So when Todd Bowles went in front of the media, you know, it was nobody's business. Todd Bowles probably knew the reason, but it was none of the media's reason. And so, and, and, and then you talk about the player, and I'll just say this is that when you talk about that one player stuck in my mind, and that was Terrell Owens. Because if you look at Terrell Owens, I, I stress it to people first and foremost, he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer simply because you because of what he did on the field. Off the field, wh- whatever. That's that's I'm not gonna say it's nobody's business, but your job as a voter is to vote for what he did on the field, not whether you like him or not. It's not it's not high school, you're not voting for miscongeniality or anything like that. You're voting for someone's career to be in the Hall of Fame. But I'll say that argument for another day. But the point is. Terrell Owens, what happens is, Chris, the tolerance for people grows when your talent is growing. What yeah. happens is, and look at Ter- Terrell Owens lasted as long as he did because he played at a high level. And then when when this kind of happened, when the ego superseded the talent, teams were like, we're not interested. Because you're not, if you're if you're not a guy that's not going to give us X amount of yards or perceptions, you're not. You're not worth it. Yeah. So to, to your point about Chapman, if you're out here pitching at an ERA, a, a, you know, a – Yeah, four, you're probably four, a, a you know, 1.5 or less. You can yeah. – at that point, you can say, you know, I'm going to skip practice. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's, and it's going to get overlooked at the end of the day. Let's face it. Exactly. So, But as a closer with uh, a, a four-plus ERA, bro, just just stay home. <laughs> yeah, just, just stay home, take the check, do whatever, and just – Speaking of speaking of staying home, we're gonna we're gonna move on and talk about some some teams at home who did do in college. You know, a lot of lot of lot of things happen, and I think this is the setup week. This was the setup week last week to get to what we're gonna you know what we're gonna see on Saturday. You know, like Alabama, like Alabama, like oh Alabama survived. No, Alabama is Alabama because they know how to win games. But let let's not say oh Texas. No, Alabama. Is Alabama. They're going to figure out a way to win. It may not be the way that you like it, how they win it, but they do. And we learned a lot about a couple of teams heading into big matchups. But but before we get to that point, Chris, just give me some of your brief thoughts on college and what you saw this week. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on that, uh, that Alabama A&M game. Uh, th- this is a team that Nick Satan has, has struggled with. 
And, and J- Jimbo Fisher is just inching closer and closer and closer and closer to getting that that final just just obliteration of him. Uh, you know, and and this is just another proof. I mean, you know, again, you know, like you said, Alabama knows how to win games. They come in, they, excuse me, they close, and that's exactly you know what they did. And then on top of that, they did it with a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with, with Jalen Milrow, I mean, he, he only threw 19 attempts for 111 11 yards, but that's three touchdowns. He did turn it over. But then they realized that, you know what, my aerial attack is is not where it should be. I'm going to switch gears and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pound the rock. And then you have uh, Gibbs running 21 carries for 154 yards. Uh, you know, Milrow running himself for 83 yards. Uh, I mean, he, Nick Saban, I just, you love him, but you hate him. You know, you you like him because he is just that great of a coach. And then you hate him because you got to play him every year uh, or every other year. And it it was definitely, uh, uh, it was, you know, it was an exciting game to watch. Um, You know, Tennessee really put the hurt on, uh, on LSU, I think that's a game that most people didn't expect to, to go the way it did. Um, I think Tennessee, you know, it's it's the old Birdman thing. Put some respect on my name. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got we, we might we might have to put some respect on uh, on Tennessee here. I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a reputable win. Mississippi State came out of the woodwork on Arkansas. You know, put a hurting on them. Uh, Michigan, you know, put the screws to Indiana. Uh, you know, Georgia just outright steamrolled Auburn. Um, you know, Ohio State, you know, played Michigan State. So that's pretty much another gimme game for them to, to pad stats. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, same situation. Ole Miss is out there just, you know, just just doing the work, getting out there. Um, I, I think you have an overrated uh, uh, USC on Washington State. You know, the USC is ranked number seven and, uh, you know, and – beat them. I think that's a little high ranking for them. Um, but, you know, overall, and then a, a good bounce back game this week was, uh, you know, the Florida Mizzou game. Um, I, I think that we got to see, uh, you know, we got to see a little, a, a little taste of what can really happen. I mean, gr- you know, granted Mizzou, it, it's not like there's some superstar stellar program, but at the same time, Florida is able to, uh, just get get things going at the end of the day. Defense really clicked on that. You know, uh, Brady Cook ended up throwing two picks um, from Mizzou, and I think that was a massive help on it. Um, you know, Anthony Richardson, I, I don't know what exactly is going on there pass-wise. Last year, and even in the first game or two of the season, he came out gunslinging the ball. I mean, this you know, he was 8 for 14 for 66 yards um, with one touchdown and one interception. Uh, Montreal Johnson has just been eating the rock as much as he could. He got 86 yards rushing. Um, and then on the other side of it is, you know, Trevor Ntn getting 83 yard, you know, 83 rushing yards. So we have a dual threat system, I think. And then you have Anthony Richardson on top of that. So I, there's so many tools. I don't know if, if Napier is just still kind of throttling Anthony Richardson back or trying to get – I mean, he, he's turning the ball over at least once a game, you know, if not more. And that's that's not good. He didn't show that last season. Um, so I, I don't know where the, the 
the regression is. But I think that's something, uh, you know, is definitely going to have to to change up a little bit here. Um, you know, we got a game on the 15th against, uh, you know, against LSU at the Swamp. So I think that's going to be a great one. Uh, then we go into a bye week and then we play uh, at the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville against uh, uh, probably still number one ranked Georgia. Well, I think whatever kinks that that Napier needs to work out needs to get worked out right then and there. I don't know. Maybe if he's just he's he's playing uh, uh, sandbags and he's just kind of letting letting the kids die. I, I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. And maybe he's just going to turn the Jets on the back half of the season against Georgia, A&M and those guys. Um, we definitely need to put on a show at uh, next week against uh, against LSU. I think that that would be a great tune-up game if we can go in and just demoralize LSU at home. I think that could give us the potential to move into. And I'm not saying we're going to beat Georgia, but I think we'd be in a position to stay in contention. Um, mm-hmm. You never know. There were years that we were not supposed to beat Georgia, and we came out and beat them. That rivalry is 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 always there. Um, so I, I think that there's opportunity. It's just, we, it just needs to be capitalized. Yeah. You know, to your point, and I'll touch on, I'll touch on that before I give my little quick recap. I think what you're seeing, Chris, is that you're seeing a first year coach trying to install an offense. That's, that's different and which worked at Louisiana. And I believe it can work in Gainesville. Um, there's no disputing that. I think what you're seeing with Anthony Richardson is, is that we we have to under, you know we kind of have to I don't want to say I don't want to say put a curve I don't I don't like putting curves on old college kids I, I don't do it simply because a because they're just college kids and sometimes we as you know we can put too much pressure on them from out on the outside no I, I mean at the end of the day they're kids yeah and, and and I think so when I look at Anthony Richardson I think it's not to the concerning level where we're like. Okay, we got to go. You know, we got to. Oh, let's see what this kid and the kid can do. Like, I don't think we're nowhere near that level. But if you talk to other people on Gators Facebook or on social media, oh Jesus, yeah, yeah, especially like I've seen the things and I'm like, folks, you know, put down, put you know, take off your earphones, you know, put your computer in sleep mode, go outside, go see some flowers, go just 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 breathe Stop. a little. Just something. <laughs> Just something. And so that's how I feel about that. And you talked about your favorite school, Ohio State. And I walked away. It was one game I walked away with something with them. Is that I understand we, we get into the conversation like how great they are. And, Chris, it can't be stressed enough. The biggest problem with Ohio State last year was their defense. And they hired Jim Knowles, and I mentioned this, I think, last week two or two shows ago. You know, bringing a defensive – you know the defense was terrible. The offense was fine, but the defense was terrible and they gotten better defensively. And we could argue and talk about, well, yeah, because here's the thing. They don't control, like the only games they control, they play is non-conference. Like they can't control the fact that Michigan state's having a down year post Indiana, Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Post, you know, especially they're facing a Michigan state team post Kenneth Walker. So they, they're not the same team as they were last year. But what I will say about Ohio State is this. It is that I talk about, and you know I love quarterbacks. Like C.J. Stroud. Well, no, let me talk about Ohio State first. This was their – they've had 11 games of 600 or more yards of total offense 
2019 when Ryan Day officially became the head coach. He took over, you know, in 20, 2018, but, you know, for Overmeyer, we all know what happened there. But he got the full-time job in 2019, so 11 games of 600 or more yards of offense, and that's the second most since 2019. Now, so, Chris, who do you think had the most in that stretch? Because this kind of surprised me, but I sat back and said that it, it made sense. It's not who you think it is. Because if it's a team that you're thinking about, because I had to, I, I had to take a step back myself and go, oh yeah, because of a of a specific year within that since 2019, I'm like, well, wait a minute, that makes sense. So which team do you think had more uh, games of 600 or more yards of offense? You know, I, I, man, I don't know, to be honest with you. It's UCF. Really? Yeah. And when I, when you think about it, if you go back, if you go back, you know, well, to, I'm not going to say to the teams they played, but their offense was very, they, they had a top like 10, 20 offense. Now, so, so here's my question: Do they have a top 10, 20 offense against complete scrubs, or a top 20 off? If they played the same schedule that, let's say, like the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC, I knew, could, I knew, this, I knew this was coming. Can they stay competitive? I mean, that's the thing. It's 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 like if I step in to like a children's uh, elementary school martial arts school, I'm gonna look like damn Ken Shamrock in that place. No. Now, you, you, you then, then, then I show up to that same school, and then I become. Then it's like, yeah. then my kid tells me, "Yeah, some guy named Chris is like, I'll be kid. I'm taking off work. I'll be there." You know, and then you know, but on that same token, now if I take a step into uh, like the Ultimate Fighter, I am nowhere near uh, UFC quality fighting. So that that that's always my dispute with UCF. Um, yeah. It's, with them going in the Big 12, I, I think that that'll do something. But then a bunch of teams are leaving the Big 12, so it's essentially just going to be a dumpster fire there yeah, anyway. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of like you're adding and then subtracting at the same time. So, yeah, it, it's shocking because I th- a lot of those games they played with Memphis for some super high score games. I'm like, yeah, that made sense. But I digress. They had 614 yards of offense versus Michigan State. And C.J. Stroud, 10 games, and Chris – He's had 10 games of over 350-yard passing. Now, Chris, I'll give you a plus or minus of, I feel, three. How many games has C.J. Stroud played at Ohio State? He's had 10 games of over 350 yards passing. And how many games? I'll give you plus or minus. Like I say, I'll, I'll tell you the number is between 10 and 10 and 30. 14? 18 games. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been on campus 18 games, and he already has 10 games. Chris, and that's since 2000. Dwayne Haskins, in his whole career, had just six games. And Justin Fields had just one game. Yikes. 350 more yards passing. Yikes. So that that lets me know that I'm not saying C.S. Rowe's the best, you know, I – I don't want to get into arguments with Ohio State Twitter. I got enough nothing to deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> so with NFL Twitter, but but just some of the games that we talk about before we transition. Like Chris, you're going to see a lot of these games coming up this weekend. We're going to learn a lot about a lot of teams. 
and you and you kind of and you touched on two teams in in your in your uh, conversation, Alabama, Tennessee. Chris, we're going to learn a lot about Tennessee. We're going to learn about because to me the question with Tennessee is, okay, yeah, they're number six in the country. They're a top ten team in the country. But Alabama's been the measuring stick for a lot of teams for well over a decade. And here's the thing, Chris. Tennessee doesn't have to beat Alabama. It's just a can you hang around with Alabama? Because, Chris, we've seen good teams who we thought were good teams face Alabama, and sometimes they lose close, and sometimes you're you're putting on Netflix on the second half of the yeah. <laughs> so you're going to Netflix, you're going to Amazon, you're going to Hulu in the second half. So I'm curious to see that. Also, Penn State and Michigan. This to me, people, I think the pressure is on Michigan. People say, oh, it's Penn State. No, no. Penn State has beaten top quality teams. But the pressure is on Michigan because this Michigan team, I feel like after, you know, once again, like J.J. McCarthy at quarterback, and listen, in their running game is just absolutely insane. Can can they just you know, can they beat a good team in Penn State? Because if Penn State beats Michigan, we're going to have a conversation about Penn State, and and it's not going to knock Jim Harbaugh, but it's going to be an interesting conversation there. And also, like you mentioned USC, and and when you mentioned USC, I was like, hi, he saw my notes apparently. So, <laughs> so he pulled a he pulled a Mister Fantastic and saw my notes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> through. So I think USC and Utah, while it's it's not the sexiest of games, you know, for those on the East Coast, but to me, we're going to learn a lot about USC because USC faces kind of a similar problem with Tennessee is that we know that they're rating, you know, we know how they're ranked, all that jazz. And Utah, yeah, Utah may, Utah has lost a game, but we have to factor in that Utah Ever since they lost, they came to the swamp and lost. They've been a very good football team, and yet they lost to UCLA. But UCLA was is undefeated. So, so the point is that when Utah, so I I don't kind of necessarily put that like oh well they lost well UCLA UCLA is not like one and four, like they're they're undefeated team. Chip Kelly has got UCLA rolling, and that's scary for the rest of the Pac-12, knowing what he did with Oregon and the amount of time he did with Oregon. Yeah. So, and and another game that's interesting moving into the coming up this Saturday, Clemson at FSU, and here's why. You know, uh, this is not going to be no Florida bias. We we try to be, we try to be equal to all the Florida teams on this podcast. Try, try, try to hate them all equally. Yeah, you know, yeah. for the record, the comments of of Chris does not, does not reflect the comments. Of the Sports of the World podcast, <laughs> I was have to put that disclaimer in from, from the legal department, but I think come them bouncing off with two straight losses, can they show up? Because this the Clem, listen, Florida State was kind of rolling until they lost two straight, and I think Clemson, Clemson is starting to look like Clemson, and that's a credit to Dabo Swinney. Because think about it, this Chris, he lost two of his best coordinators. Tony Elliott is at Virginia. Brent Venables is at Oklahoma. And everybody was saying, oh, well, that's how the success 
was not tied to Dabo. It was tied to these coordinators. Dabo's proving them wrong. Maybe, I, I, you know, Dabo maybe is a top five coach in the country. There's a reason. It's like, yeah, you got to have good coordinators. Like, no one's denying that. But the point of the matter is, is that if Clemson can kind of don't get let down, stay in the game, and if FSU can show up, if FSU, FSU can show up, Chris, it'd be great. But if you lose a third game, are we going to hear Mike Norvell's job being called again? Because you know how fans work. We, we know how fans yeah. work. It's like, oh, we were out to a great start. Now we done lost three straight. What is this guy doing? It's like, calm down. Because I always say this, Chris, if you want to fire a coach, who's going to want to come and take the job? I, I, I always stress that people get really quiet because if you're thinking you're getting a big name coach, like, listen, you don't want to, you, you want to know why USC fired Clay Helton? Cause they knew they can get Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. It's like if USC like, and they hung, and here's the thing about USC before we transition to the NFL, they hung on to Clay maybe a year too long to hold out for Lincoln Riley. I tell people that all the time. You got to look at if you come out firing coaches who are you going to bring in? And like, here's the thing, Chris. I want you to think about this before we transition. Like, Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame for LSU. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for USC. Look at the state of Notre Dame and, and Oklahoma now. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and, and it's not to pick at either school. But listen, sometimes, Chris, it's better to leave a year too early than a year too late. Because because Brian Kelly kind of saw the writing on the walls, like we're not going to be great this year. Yeah, and he took he took the LSU and, and picked up whatever that accent is, because I don't know. <laughs> and I want to know yeah. what accent. As much as I want to watch the game, I want to know what accent he's going to pull to these people. Because I want to say, Chris, the people of Louisiana, please tell me you didn't get hoodwinked by this man's accent. It was it, it was the L's and he was he was he was dancing, man. That uh, it's, it's dancing, and I'm glad that recruit went somewhere else. Yeah, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad for that kid. I'm glad for that young man. I'm glad for his family because his family said, "Listen, you're not playing for that." But he's a great coach. Listen, no, no just no. I I I'd rather send you to play school in Antarctica than you go play for them. <laughs> they, have, they have no football team. Exactly. Exactly. Antarctica. It's like the, the Antarctica Polar Bears. The name writes itself. Yikes. Worst attendance in the country, but they have a lot of heart. So they, they, they need a human court, they need a human player to be successful. You know, the penguins can only throw the ball like two yards. So the offense ain't working great. So <laughs> it's 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 like tech mobile kind of stuff there. Yes. But, but speaking <laughs> but speaking tech of offenses. Speaking of offenses and non-techno bowl talk, let's go to the NFL. And all I'm going to say is, and I'll let you start, but all I'm going to say is that look, we paid the refs, right? We paid yeah. them. Like, remember that whole thing, the Monday Night Football with the Packers and the Seahawks, and everyone was like, oh, man, that horrible call, and then Pete Carroll jumping up and down like a child, winning a game he had no business winning because the referees – we're just ready to go home because, like, get their little, you know, whatever their check was. And we were like, and then Roger Goodell said that night, okay, we'll give you what you want. So we're thinking everything's going to be great, right? No. Bum, I'll, bum, give, bum. 
I'll get to the reason why the referees screwed up not once, but twice in a span of 24 hours. But I'll save that. So, Chris, give me your some of your thoughts on the NFL week the week week five of the NFL. Oh, you know, there are some some interesting games. Uh, and there are some ones that just left you just kind of staring at the TV like, I, I, I can't believe they actually televise this. Um, one of them, honestly, was the Thursday night game between the Colts and the Broncos. That, that was just terrible. Somebody um, should be fired. Jeff Bezos has no business. Yeah, yeah, this, this one, they, they, there needs to be some – some reevaluation there or something. Cause I mean, that I want was a free just, gift, Bezos. I don't forget. I, I, yeah. Like, I want my Amazon prime for free this year. Right. Uh, you know, uh, but I mean, it was just, it was rough, you know, and, and the, you know, I, I, I now both of us have been incredibly high on Russell Wilson on this, on this program. Oh, yeah. This I'm starting, I'm starting to question some things. It's, it's, it's you know, I, I don't know what's going on there, but, I, you know, the best part about this is is the memes of, of the Instagram and the Facebook. It's, oh, my God. It's gold. And the best one is the Broncos country. Let's ride. And, <laughs> and I mean, that, that, he is he is trying to coin that. That is that is him trying to, to – I don't know if he's trying to trademark that or that's going to be yeah, like his – He's trying too hard to make it a thing. How people yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's not a thing, bro. It's not a thing. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, like an anchor man would. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Stay classy, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's how fake it sounds to me. And he tries to have like this country, like Broncos country. Let's ride. And it's like, oh, it's no, worse. bro. Like no, like it just it doesn't it just doesn't fit you. Like it just doesn't fit you. And if it does, it's going to be like a sequel to Brokeback Mountain, man. Uh, but, oh my god! You know, but we'll, we'll just leave that. that. Yeah, that was that was that was just a rough game to watch. Uh, moving forward, uh, you know, the, I think the upset of the week was the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers. I think that number one uh, is an interesting game to watch. Uh, and the fact that they were able to come out and beat Green Bay, uh, I, I, I'm impressed. I, you know, we I talked about the diminishment of Green Bay's talent uh, a couple episodes ago, and and how how they would fare out. And this is really starting to play itself out at this point. Um, I, you know, I mean, the, the fact that they're going in next week against the New York Jets. And there's legitimate talk about the Jets beating them. Is I if you would have said that week one of the season, I would have just like even as a Jets fan, I would have been like, dude, no, <laughs> no, we're about to hit murder row that part of the season, and there is no way in hell we're going to win. <laughs> and now it's like, well, you know, opportunity is a knock in there, boys. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you you look at the line stats. I mean, the. Daniel Jones, he threw for 217 yards, but most importantly, he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't turn the ball over, and and Saquon Barkley found the end zone. Those are two things that they struggled with, and 
and have just 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 not done well with because it, it was always him turning the ball over and Barkley sitting on the sidelines or on IR or or something. But he, you know, Daniel Dimes came out there. Darius Slayton, you know, held it up for him with uh, 79 uh, reception yards and gave him the help that he needed. He didn't see the end zone. But at the end of the day, they were able to put points on the board. The defense came out and was strong. Now, most importantly, the line stats, the New York football giants are 4-1 and one right now. Mm-hmm. If you were to tell me that in, in going into week six that they were going to be four and one, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, no, no, no. Like maybe 10 years ago when like Eli was playing for him, I would have been like, all right, that's legit. But they're, you know, when, when we talked about the rankings, I think that you and I both agreed that the Eagles were, were definitely going to hold the, the scepter for the NFC East. And that mm-hmm. was going to be it. And there was going to be nobody remotely close to it. The the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders were just going to be the laughing stock of the NFL. And now all of a sudden, I mean, Philly. Let's let's face it. Number one, Philly is playing some immaculate ball first and foremost. Yep. Um, but you got the New York Football Giants at four and one. Those 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 men are playing with everything to gain and nothing to lose. They're the laughing stock of the NFL. Daniel Jones is on the final year of his contract, so it's make or break for him. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see with this one. I'm I'm definitely very curious to see how this plays out for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, if you, if you look at the Giants' schedule, uh, they've got you know some decent games ahead of them that that are very winnable. You know, next week they're playing in Jacksonville, uh, or excuse me, they're 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 playing the Ravens next week at home. That one I think can go either way, uh, depending on which Baltimore Ravens game or which Baltimore Ravens team shows up. Then they go play the Jaguars. Then they go play the Seahawks. And then they have the Texans. Those are, and then the Lions. Those are four games. I think we can honestly see like an eight and two Giants program yeah. by by Thanksgiving. And then of mm-hmm. course they play the Cowboys. You know Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, I mean the Cowboys aren't a slouch program either. You know, Cooper Rush is I think really starting to find himself. And I think that, uh, you know, by that time, I think Dak should be back. But I'm, I'm pretty curious to see what Jerry Jones is going to do, whether he's going to Jerry Jones himself or uh, uh, or, or do the, the smart and logical thing here. Um, you know, moving on to some of the other games, uh, I know the one you wanted to touch on was the uh, was the Bucks and Falcons game. All this, you know, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things and the referee did referee things for Tom Brady. I'll just leave it at that. Um you know, the one game that I really want to talk about, and again, I, I, there, there's enough salt in the air that fish could, could, could survive and, and, and thrive. And that is the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Um, you know, people can say, oh, there's a third string offense and all this and all. You know, at the end of the day, we're three and two. We're sitting second in the division and we beat you. So just shut up and let me enjoy this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, you know, most importantly, again, let's look at line stats. Number one, uh, Zach Wilson did not turn the ball over. Number two, Brees Hall pounded the rock. He only got to put it into the end zone once, but he had 97 yards on 18 carries with a touchdown. But he, no balls were turned over in the making of, the, uh, of this. Then on top of that, you have Michael Carter put two into the end zone. Braxton Berrios ran in for one, and then Zach Wilson even ran in for one. 
Hence the final score of forty to seventeen uh, with the with the Jets winning. And I even want to say that the the Jets were they were I want to say the odd line was for them to lose. Um, but you know, a player that I think is evolving that we talked about pre-draft that was that I think we even had going to the Jets was Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. And you look at the line stats for this game. This man had two receptions for 100 yards. That's a 50-yard average with an additional 97 yards on carrying. So it's 197 total offensive yards. Right now, I mean, if 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 you don't have – I mean, I'll, I'll dive into a 30-second fantasy snip. If you don't have Brees Hall on your team, and for some godforsaken reason he is on the, the waiver wire right now or in free agency – do yourself a favor and snag him. Or if you're in a situation that you have an RB1 that's injured or that just isn't performing or an RB2 that you're just struggling with, maybe sacrifice a decent receiver. I'm not saying give up a, a Chris Godwin or a, a Cooper Cup, but you know maybe like Hunter Renfro or something mid-tier where you can get your paws on on on, on Brees Hall. Do yourself a favor and do it. But – you know, and then most importantly, uh, defense. The the Jets' defense is it's it's found its way. You know, uh, you know Sauce Gardner. It's it, it, you know who he reminds me of. Who's that? Darrell Revis. Think about all right. So, so hear me out on this. Let's look at some of the the receivers that that uh, that Sauce Gardner has faced. Um, you've got Jamar Chase, which I think arguably is an outright stud. I, th- I think you could agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at, uh, well, geez, I don't know, the Dolphins most recently with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Um, the Ravens, I mean, they, they've played some quality teams, and they have shut – them down for the most part and i'm not saying they're perfect but they've come such a long way and the the aggression and the intelligence level that he plays on he he this could be to revis island 2.0 is we could really see an emergence of this this monster guy in the backfield just just terrorizing elite wide receivers at a young age um you know the the like I said, just the level that he's playing at uh, as a rookie, being able to come in and make these these types of stops and 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 pass blocks and things like that. It's stuff that you see for an evolved corner that's got two, three, four years in the league that understands NFL play speed, NFL play strength, and and here's Sauce Gardner. I heard just just putting in the work, man. So you know, hats off to him. Definitely hats off to the Jets organization. Um, you know, I definitely didn't see us three and two in the first five games. Um, next week, we we got Green Bay. I think that's going to be a uh, a fun game to watch. And I, don't be shocked if you hear me screaming "Jets" you know, on the other side of the country. Um, you know, then you know the Saints and Seahawks had themselves a good shootout. Uh, the Eagles and Cardinals. Uh, the Eagles squeaked that one out, twenty to seventeen. Um, you know, uh, the Cowboys actually came up with a dub against the Los Angeles Rams. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is a game that I picked the Rams to win as a bounce back. Yeah, and 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 and, uh, and one of us picked the, the Cowboys. So just, yeah. yeah, okay. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure this week you got me. Uh, I, I definitely dropped a couple games. Yeah. Uh, 
going into this one, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Because uh, I, I even think I picked against the Jets this, the, this week, if if memory serves. Yeah, and right. you know who picked the Jets? No, not, not the uh, Jets fan. <laughs> I, I believe – listen, if, if you don't believe in your team, here, dude, you pick against your Falcons, we're not talking about me here. All right, let's – not, not talking about you right now. <laughs> we're going to divert that – we're going to divide, uh, divert those funds into another account. We're not doing it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the Cowboys, another organization, are 4-1 right now. You know, Cooper Rush, you know, he threw for 102 yards. Again, most importantly, no interceptions. That's always a good thing. Um, you know, Tony Pollard kept it on the ground, uh, leading the charge with uh, with 86 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, Dallas Dallas played some ball. That is that is. For sure, um, I, I think that uh, uh, you know I'm not going to sit here and say that they're they're going to make it to the playoffs, but they they keep playing the way that they do. I think there's some definitely uh, contention that they could do something. And like I said, uh, you know they've got to make a decision with 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 Cooper Rush because if, if they don't start him, he's already earned himself a starting job somewhere in the NFL next year. Regardless, somebody will pick him up and trade for him. Uh, no questions asked. I think. Um, you know, moving along, you know, the 49ers, they just outright stomped a mud hole in uh, in the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Bengals and Ravens game, you know, that was a nice, super close one. And then the Raiders and the Chiefs game. It was just the most Raiders game I think I've ever watched. You know, when, when you're getting – so when, when you're, like, Hail Mary fourth and goal, like, you know, or you know, fourth and long, and, and you're playing for the win, and – you get pass blocked by your fellow wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when you know. That's when you, know. <sighs> you know, I, uh, I, I, I think I even sent you this this meme. Uh, uh, I, I think it was either Ghetto Gronk or just NFL memes uh, on on Instagram of. Uh, uh, what's Will Smith's kids? Uh, his son uh, is it Jaden? Uh, Jaden. Yeah, Jaden yeah. Pickett Smith. Uh, of of him and the Karate Kid. He's like, I want to go home, and he starts crying. And then <laughs> <laughs> it said Devontae Adams be like, and it showed like a picture of Green Bay in the background. Yeah. I you know I I bet he regrets this. Uh, you know, and I read the news this morning. I didn't catch the full story on it because I I heard there's a little bit more developing to it. But I saw he's being charged with like misdemeanor assault or something. Like they're they're yeah. they're going to be pressing charges against him. Yeah, they've so, they yeah they've already pressed yeah the yeah they've already pressed charges. Right. And that's I mean that's against the NFL uh, code of conduct if memory serves me right. Yeah, so I I, I wouldn't Oof. be shocked. Yeah, I mean to cut you off, but I I wouldn't be shocked if 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 some kind of suspension or a fine or even possibly both. But yeah. Yeah, so what I will say is just be real quick, and I'll give the floor back to you, is, is that, to me, this is a two-fold situation. Now, I understand the, you don't put your hands on other people. I, I, I get that part. But if you're a cameraman and people were trying to defend, well, he had no, well, the cameraman, he's allowed to be there if you're taking pictures. And if you look at the video, the cameraman is directly in front of Devontae Adams directly in front not yep. taking a picture he's just directly in front and think about listen he just lost a tough game full of emotions like no one's justifying what Devontae Adams did let's be clear he's human like you and I 
But to me, it, it's it's to the point, Chris, where there has to be a line. We have and we have security, and someone from security should should have told hey told that cameraman you need to move out of the way because I I was listening to a former player, and it may and and, and I listen I, I lean on listening to former players, and what's interesting, Chris, is that listen that tunnel was supposed to be clear. So why was the cameraman like he has a job? But if you're not taking pictures, my guy, then what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm not. And people are like, oh well, Devontae put his hand. Listen, I get that. Like, uh, like folks, you don't have to explain to me the difference between assault and battery. I took uh, you don't have to explain that to me. I get it. My point is, is that I can make a case that this was could have been preventable if the cameraman would just stand out of the way of Devontae Adams. It's just like if someone walks in front of you on the street deliberately, you're going to get pissed after a while because you're you're not bothering it. You're just walking down the street. So if someone did what that cameraman did to Devontae Adams, yeah, and some people are like, oh, well, I'm not going to put my hands on the person. But listen, Devontae, high emotion. Sports is a high emotion game. And he just came out there and they lost. They lost on prime time. In a game they probably should have won. Full of emotion. And that's what happened. And Devontae apologized. But at the end of the day, Chris, I think what's happening is, is that sometimes people want to say, oh, the player's bad. But you're not looking at what the person did to the player. Like, go back to the situation in the Rams game. I, I believe it was against the Cowboys. Where the guy came, where the person came running on the field. Yeah, I think, and Bobby Wagner just tackled oh, his ass, and and people were like, "Well, well Bobby Wagner fresh charging." No, because what Bobby Wagner was doing was protecting people. Like we we got to stop saying, "Well, so what did you want?" If Bobby Wagner wouldn't have interceded, what would have happened? The game would have been delayed even longer because you're trusting a bunch of NFL security. To stop someone who's running around with whatever, whatever, whatever he was running around with, and here comes an all-pro linebacker. Just problem solved. Like we got to stop bashing. Like I'm not sitting here. I'm not. I don't work for a good deal in the NFL. I'm not trying to defend the player here, Chris. But to me, we have to look at things from the other side of the coin, because sometimes people are. It's easy to sit back and say it's the player's fault. It's well, easy, yeah. It's easier to sit back and say, oh, it's the player's fault without taking more of a deeper look and be like, well, why did the player react the way that they did? You're not justifying the action, but you're trying to understand the why the player had to do what they did. And that's no different with the Devontae Adams situation. It's it's amazing to me that people – Devontae Adams, let's be clear. He's not going to jail. Like, let's let's be super clear on that. He's not going to jail, like – like he he he's he's not going to be on Osborne. He's not going to jail. All right. It's just a matter of listen. It's a big name. We got it. It happens all the time. It it's just amazing to me how people didn't say, well, well, the cameraman was doing his job. Did I see the cameraman taking a photo of Demonte Adams? No, I didn't. So you can't say he's doing his job. He was in the he was in the path of Devontae Adams. Why wasn't the bigger question, Chris, is that for the sake of security, why wasn't that tunnel clear? 
that's that that's to me is the penultimate question. Why was I don't want to hear? Oh yeah, Devonte. I, I I hear. I get it. Like you don't have to sell me on Devonte Adams pushed the guy. We all saw it. Millions of people saw it. So, but yeah, I didn't mean to take away your your the limelight there. No, no, no. You're good, man. Uh, like I said, I mean that, that you know that that was the you know that game was just if if the Raiders could have raided any harder, they would have raided to the extreme. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, that's a lot of raidering. Um, but you know, more importantly, though, you know, Patrick Mahomes out here throwing for 292 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and a single man caught all four of those touchdowns with 25 reception yards. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Kelsey is just, he, he, he is just a man among men, a man among boys. I, I just, God. <laughs> Dude, dude's a stud. That's, 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 I'm just going to leave it at that. It's, it's a, if you look at that stat line, it's kind of like, it's like when they post the old Randy Moss stat line, we had like three receptions, like almost 200 yards. Yeah. And it's like, it's like it, it, it was, it's like is that a real is that a real thing? Yeah, like go. It, it just goes to show you that it shows me two things: is that when you look at Travis Kelsey, he 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 had to remind folks that he's one of the best tight ends in the league. And secondly, it goes to show you, hey, Pat. And what's worse, Chris? Everybody kind of knew where the ball was going, and the Raiders' defense didn't have any answer. The yeah. red zone defense that had no answer didn't even try to double him. Just like they thought, like, oh, they're going to do what they did last week, run some gadget play. No, we're going to give it right there to 87. And if you can't stop 87, then that's yes. not on us. Stand it's, in front of them or stand out of the way. Exactly. And, and what I will say before we move on to, to your to your fantasy is that I do want to quickly hit on the Falcons-Bucks game. And just a little brief spiel. I won't take up all the people's time here. But it's it, it, it angered me ever since – Monday, and it's this. Referees have to understand. I think, in general, when we talk about referees or umpires, I always call it the human element. While in the NFL, there are a couple of penalties that are obvious, like holding, offside, you know, all all that. But there are some that are legitimately based on the judgment of a referee. And one of those penalties is roughing the passer. Now, in that Bucks, in that Falcons Bucks game, Grady Jarrett doing, you know, beat you. Listen, he beat his guy. He did a little. He beat his guy. Got to Brady. Brady. He sacked Brady. And just steps. Just kind of goes over Brady. Nothing to make me feel. Yeah, just a typical was... sack. And then next thing you know, I see on my red zone. I'm like, what the what happened? And then Scott Hansen's talking about it, it was roughing the passer. So I watched it. So I went to Twitter and they had the video. We you know because you know the red zone they kind of cut away. So and so Chris, I had to me being the, the sometimes being a nerd comes in really handy. So I went back and read the rule. And the takeaway from the rule is Chris is that you call that penalty. If if the play in question, if the quarterback was in any sort of harm to get injured, I did Chris, yeah. I've watched that at least three to four times. And I didn't see it. And Chris, what's worse, it was in the fourth quarter, 
and the Falcons lost that game by six. So the Falcons weren't blown out of the water. We're talking about that penalty changed the course of that game, where possibly we're talking about maybe the Falcons getting a chance. Because all you need is a chance. Done. Didn't happen. And then what was worse, that same referee made that same horrible call the week before in the in the Bills Ravens game, where where Josh Allen was 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 sacked. Then that same ref called that same penalty on Baltimore. And guess what? Yeah. Baltimore lost that game close. My point, Chris, is if people are like, well, we have to change. Yeah, we have to change how we write the rules. It's no different than when we, Chris, we thought we knew what a catch was. <laughs> we thought we knew, but after watching that Cowboys-Packers game years ago, we were all wrong. So what did the league do? The league had to literally put a definition of what a catch is. Not like, you know, not like say you pick up in your dictionary, you know, had to be an NFL definition of what a of what the world uh, 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 catches. So if we're going to do that with roughing the passer, then so be it. But here's the thing, Chris. If we're going to do this, if we're going to change the rule, all I ask is this. Is that, A, you make that play reviewable. Make that penalty reviewable. I've always said make pass interference reviewable. Because here's why. It's because it's subjective calls. We're talking, we're asking a referee to make it's a human element. It's no different in the NBA. They review they review foul fouls now. I said Major League Baseball. I said at some point we're gonna have balls and strikes reviewed. We already have fair and foul balls, you know, being reviewed, safes and outs being reviewed because they're all based on human plays. And we understand, Chris, that humans make mistakes. And what happened, and sometimes <laughs> more often than not, Chris, those mistakes cost teams games. And that's what irked me. I'm not saying the Atlanta would have won the game. Like, let me be clear. But you automatically take those odds down drastically by that bad call. Because even like when even when Tom when Tom Brady was asked, you know, you know what Tom Brady said? Tom Brady said he doesn't throw the flags. And he's right. Yeah. He's like, listen, I, he's like, you know, I actually so I I I found this stat and I wish I would have saved it. So I was I was sitting I was thumbing through Instagram uh, at the airport today, uh, waiting to board my flight, and it had a stat of Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and I forget the fourth quarterback. If I can find it, I'll give it to you so you can post it. It actually broke down how many career games they played and then how many roughing the passers have been called. Tom Brady actually has the lowest percentage out of out of these quarterbacks and the highest percentage this or the, yeah the, the second highest and the highest was actually Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. believe it or not if I, if I can find it I'll, I'll send it to you because um, they, they broke it down to how many full career games they played and how many times it's been called against them and, and I'm guilty as charged is that you know I say that there's Brady rules and to a point I, I think there is. Uh, you know, do I have credible evidence to suggest so? No, I do not. So it's well, I'm, I'm uh, just... I'll, 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 I'll give you one piece. Of, I mean, I'll give you one piece of evidence the tuck rule, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely that's... something that, yeah, that's a, a very credible uh, uh, piece of evidence there. Um, 
But yeah, it's just it's just mind numbing sometimes. Like just let him play. Like I, I don't know if you saw the skit when Kevin Hart was on NFL Live a while back. Yeah, and, and, and they Ryan picked him up and they laid him on the yeah. pillow. Yeah. Pump it out. Pump it out, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, this like I can understand taking and hitting someone like Tua did. Or uh Hines from uh 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 Indianapolis last week. Mm-hmm. I can understand those types of hits. Right. But, dude, he didn't push his shoulder into him. He didn't interject his body into him. On there. He just hit him and walked away. Like, this is a grown man sport. That would be like making the UFC wear, like, headgear and moon boots. And, okay, you can only kick with your left foot on Wednesdays. And, and you know, like, it's a contact sport. You know, if you're not going to let them play it, then then rewrite the rules or make it clear where it's like you said with pass interference, make it reviewable because otherwise it's 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 shenanigans. There, I said it. It's shenanigans. <laughs> and to your point, I'll say this before we get to your, your fantasy. I'm just going to say this. I I'm always a big believer. Is that we have, especially in the NFL. We have to understand that these referees, yeah, they're human beings. And listen, you have to start – listen, I'm not asking you to challenge holding or – no, or 12 men on the field. If you can't count, then that's – you can count one, okay. two, three. So I'm not asking yeah. you to review that. But when we're talking penalties that are based on the – based on the referee's observation. Objective view. Objective view. Exactly. That's the key word. Objective view. That's sub- objective view. I'll use big words. Look at me. Sorry, uh, I just had to get and, that out of me. Yeah, me and Jenny. She was such a whore. Don't even get me started on her. Uh, yeah, oh boy. Listen, <laughs> we, we might dedicate an episode to that. <laughs> but because I, I have a few theories. I'll, I'll just say this. I'll just say this because it's on my mind. For, Force is a guy that you root for. But at the same time, you just scratch your head because you're like, it's, she doesn't want, she didn't want you. It's like, listen, I'm, I'm not going to go into the you know promiscuity of, of Jenny. That That's for. She was a slot. Okay. <sighs> we'll be right back. We'll, yeah, we'll send that to editors. But, but I'll say this before we transition. But what I will say is that when we when we look at the referees, all I ask for is that listen in baseball. Now within, you know you can review safes and outs, and fair and foul because those are sometimes those are based on some are obvious. And listen, if we're talking a home run going down the left or right field line, sometimes Chris, you may not know if that ball goes over the pole or kind of goes to the side of the pole. Hell, even in some situations like recent, you don't even know if the damn ball makes it over the fence. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, which, which I, I, that's, oh, vey, but yeah, that's that's an, but the the ball, yeah, I we we get it, but so you so we understand why we have replay there. We can have replay. Listen, we have replay in in the NFL already. Just make it on penalties because look in in college. When they had with on targeting, it's cha- it's a, it's it's reviewed every single time. Yep. And then and then they go in and like okay, if if it's targeting, the kid's out. 
if not kids' days. Because sometimes in the heat of action, things happen, and we don't know if the defender lowered the shoulder or not, or, you, or it's just a football play. So you challenge it. So if you could do that in college, all I ask the NFL to do, or the rules committee, make pass interference and roughing the passer reviewable. That's it. Because I guarantee you, if it would have been reviewable now, none of those, even, even on Monday night, where Chris Jones ta- you know, sacked Derek Carr, same situation. How do, how do you call rubbing the pass and Chris Jones ended up with the football in the fumble recovery? Like I, That part I I don't get. But Patrick Holmes in that same game was slammed to the ground, and the referees were apparently eating hot dogs. They weren't even paying attention. They, they were eating some barbecue and weren't paying attention. Anywho, speaking of barbecue, a lot of people right now, Chris, they're getting cooked like barbecue in fantasy. Some are enjoying Ooh. some barbecue and some Ooh. are enjoying it. So, you know, some of that sweet baby ray sauce, fantastic Ooh. stuff. Ooh. So let me tell you, you know, some hey, some people like raisins in their potato salad, some don't. If you come if I come to your house, I'm saying this right now. This is a PSA. If I come to your house and I see raisins in that in that potato salad, I'm throwing that shit out. Whole ball. Uh, yeah. Sure. I will. It's, 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 it's like that the Spanish guy. Straight to Janet. No straight to Janet. Exactly. To like, Janet. like like listen, because if I have to bring my own, but I will bring my don't listen. I will listen. I got publics.com. Listen, I'll have them ship some right there. Ready. Like, like no folks, you'll thank me later. But anywho, enough of the barbecue and <laughs> all the delicious food talk. Chris, give us your start and symptoms for the sixth week of the National Football League. Man, it's week six. So you're, you're at, at this point, you're starting to figure out how your season might go. Um, you might be five and zero oh right now. You might be four and one, or you might be zero oh and five, or one and four. Uh, you know, uh, this is the time where you've got to start figuring out. You look at your schedule. You look at the way your players are performing, and you have to make that hard decision. Do you sell the farm? And, and wait for next year or if you're in like a, a, a traditional fantasy league where you have like a keeper maybe two keepers and then you just give the farm away get a bunch of draft picks and repeat process and and hope for the best next year um or if you're in like a dynasty type league do you tank the rest of the season to get that first round draft pick for a piece that you're in desperate need of whether it's a, a running back a quarterback a, a wide receiver you know, so the, these are some decisions you got to start making at this point. Um, you know, fortunately for me, this is the second week in a row I've had a clean sweep. That's where the Gators win, the Jets win, and all of my fantasy teams win. This is the first time that that has ever happened in the history of me playing fantasy football and being a football fan that that I have gotten all three of my teams to win fantasy wise: a Jets win and a Gators win, all in one week. So, uh, praise Chris's Green. time this week on the podcast. So we'll. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you have to be one of my unfortunate victims this week. Uh, I, I think uh, I think this, the the Zach Moltons might have might have partaken a, a thrashing on you. Yeah, might have might have is a subjective word to talk about. <laughs> um, but you know, so going into like I said, so you've got to start making those decisions, plan for next season, and just have fun with it at this point, or uh, maybe start making trades to secure yourself. Uh, uh, some players to push yourself 
into the later season, make up for some some drop games, maybe on like a bye week where you have four or five players at once going out or something like that. So th- these are the things you got to start planning for at this point. As far as starting and sit them, um, so you've got like your – so we'll start with quarterback running down the tight end like always. Um, so your must-starts, your Patrick Mahomes, your Lamar Jacksons, your Josh Allens, uh, you know, those guys. If you don't know them by now, just get on with it. Some of your stronger starts. Uh, so you're, you you got Joe Burrow going uh, to New Orleans um, this week. I, I think that Burrow is going to uh, give him some some light at the end of the tunnel. I think, honestly, he is going to shred them in the bayou. Um, you look at the Saints – coverage issues as of late there's a lot of secondary problems that i think joe burrow has the intelligence to pick apart and he has the athleticism with hurst and with uh uh, chase and and boyd to be able to really get out there um same situation with tom brady going uh and with pittsburgh you know not only this is tom brady going to have a a good game as far as with the receivers but I think the new big body that he has found is is Leonard Fournette, like that safety blanket. You know, in, in Brady's career, he always had like that Gronkowski safety blanket where if all else fails, I can put the ball up in the air. He can grab it. He'll truck a couple people over and get me some yards. Get me that first now that I need so we can open the playbook back up. Uh, I think that he is going to see some multiple touchdowns, definitely possibly with Fournette. If not, you know, Chris Godwin getting back up to speed, Mike Evans and the rest of the gang out there. Um, so I think he's going to have a hell of a game. First time I'm putting this man on this, Geno Smith with the Seahawks versus Arizona. Uh, Jaw Jack and Geno is jacking some jaws out here right now. And he is working in a strong system with DK Metcalf and, and all those guys. And I think that, they are going to have a hell of a time guarding him. He's an elusive little dude back there. And then on top of that, let's face it, Arizona secondary just isn't that great. So I think that he's going to have himself a, a, a good situation to be in. Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, I think that, you know, he's not, they're not playing on Monday night, so we're good to, or Thursday, so we're good to go. Um, and then you have a Miami Dolphins uh, pass defense that they're giving up a couple touchdowns a game. Uh, you you look at, so everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a, Dolphins shouldn't have, you know, they lost to the Jets because of this. But their defense was still on the field at the end of the day. And they allowed a Zach Wilson-led team to run all over them and pass all over them. Expect a much more seasoned veteran like Kirk Cousins with elite Justin Jeffersons and Adam Thielens to have himself just a outright heyday out there. Um, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville uh, at Indianapolis. Uh, I think that you look at uh, earlier this season, he handled the environment, and I think he gets a, a rematch that they're going to have a, a situation in that Trevor Lawrence is going to thrive in. Um, some of your FanDuel uh, DraftKings, I've actually double-dipped on this. I got Geno Smith. You're able to buy Geno Smith for less than 6000 in DraftKings or, or uh, FanDuel's. Um, so do yourself a favor, grab him. He's going to be a great stream. Uh, another one is uh, on that same side that you can buy for incredibly cheap for a stream for this week if you're in need of a quarterback is Justin Fields from Chicago going to play the Washington Commanders. Um, all pun intended, that hasn't been the field of dreams yet for Justin Fields. But I think that against a, just a completely destroyed and distraught secondary of uh, of Washington, 
I definitely think that that's going to be a uh, a very, very good situation for him to be in. Some of your weaker starters uh, this week, if you've got him, bench him. Uh, Daniel Jones going to Baltimore. I, I know we talked about Danny Dimes, but he has not statistically played well against Baltimore. I don't know if he's going to be able to perform it on this one. Like I, we talked about earlier in the segment, I don't know if they have enough gas in the tank to outlast a Baltimore program the way that they're playing right now. So if you got him, maybe throw him off to the side. Um, Russell Wilson, <laughs> you know, Broncos country, let's ride. Uh, yeah. I would ride, I, I would ride his ass right to the bench. Uh, present company included. I do not plan on starting him this week. Right um, in Colorado. Let's do all of that. <laughs> you know, I, I, the chargers defense is there. I think that it's going to be a situation where they've got to figure out something in Denver or they just wasted a whole lot of money. Uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, with the Cleveland Browns against New England. Uh, you know, don't get this like sneaky suspicion that this is going to be like some revenge game against Bill Belichick and it's like, uh, you know, like some anime Dragon Ball Z type thing. It's not going to work and New England's going to shut him down. Uh, so, congratulations. And then for those who have uh, rode on the Kenny Pickett train, uh, it is tempting because, well, you know, he has had early season production against not so great teams, uh, but he's playing Tampa Bay's defense and he's going to be playing from behind because Brady's going to be out there getting hot boy summer ready because he's going to have to find himself a new wife to hold those extra Super Bowl rings and other rings. And well, other, you know, we'll just let that one go too. Um, so that's quarterbacks moving down to running backs, your usual suspects, your Dalvin Cooks, your Barclays, your Ecklers, your Leonard Fournette's, your CMTs. Um, first, Time I'm putting him on a must start. Brees Hall, New York Jets. If you have him, start him. You'll thank me later. Um, some of your stronger starts that I have are going to be uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, with the Ravens going against the Giants. Um, I think that they're going to plug him back into the the grand scheme of things for the Ravens uh, against the Giants. This definitely is going to be a good game to get him to run some yards up. Um, I think because of the uh, uh, with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, he's been playing good, but you know, the jets have a, they have a strong pass defense and I think they're going to keep uh, Aaron Rodgers in check. So I think that AJ Dillon or just any running back uh, in, in green Bay is going to get a lot of yards and a lot of touches due to sauce Gardner, just, just out there, just, just delivering the sauce. I, I don't I don't I hope he has a cool catch line. Um, Cause there's a lot of wordplay on that, that, that he, that he has. Uh, I have James Robinson and Travis Etienne Jr. from the Jacksonville Jaguars against Indiana, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Both are going to be solid pickups. Um, the the Colts gave up a lot of rushing yards last week, and I think these two on a, on a one-two combo, it's going to be the same situation there. Um, so be prepared on that. Uh, I think that uh, Kenneth Walker from the Seahawks um, with Rashad Penny was with, with – his leg situation there. I think that he's really going to get a star set appearance. Geno Smith's going to use him and then that's going to open up the play action. And then that's going to open up. So PPR leagues, definitely you're gonna have some fun with that. Uh, some of your fan duel DFS DraftKings. Kings uh, again, Kenneth Walker, you can be able to buy him for super cheap. Uh, Raheem Mostert from Miami. You can be able to get him for super cheap. Um, you should be able to get him for like 6,500 or less. Uh, some of your weaker starters, I think CEH from Kansas City going against Buffalo. Um, number one, Buffalo's defense is just rough. 
Uh, and I think that uh, this is going to turn into a shootout. This is going to be Patrick Mahomes just getting into a straight up gunfight with with Josh Allen to prove who, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man type situation. Um, Najee Harris uh, from Pittsburgh. I don't see him doing well against Tampa Bay. They're going to be playing in a uh, in, in a back. They're going to be playing behind the whole game. And I don't see Pittsburgh doing a lot of ground game. I see them just airing it out and hoping for the best. Uh, on the flip side of the uh, of the Kansas City uh, Buffalo game, I don't see Devin Singletary having uh, a lot of yards either. They just don't seem interested in running the ball, and he just I I, I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't have like the electricity. I think to fit into the passing game, so I don't know how well he'll do that. Um, so we'll just see right there. Um, if you have any Falcons running backs going against San Francisco this week, just go ahead and do yourself a favor, put them down. Um, and then, you know, there's two things you don't go chasing, and that's waterfalls and touchdowns. Um, so I think with Michael Carter on the Jets, I think um, because Brees Hall is going to get the workload, I don't think Michael Carter is going to have as much. And I don't think he's going to have the, the uptick that he did last week where he had touchdowns, where touchdowns get points. Uh, uh, and where yards don't get as many. And I think that if they're going to be putting the ball in the end zone, I think it's definitely by, uh, by Brees Hall. Um, your, your wide receivers, your, your must starts, your Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chases, blah, 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 blah. Some of your stronger starters I have is Devontae Smith uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles uh, going to Dallas. They're going against Dallas. Um, I think that he should do just fine. Because what I think is going to happen is a, is a coverage transition. I think that A.J. Brown is going to pull that safety down, and they're going to be all hands on deck against A.J. Brown and then forget all about little Devonta Smith all by his little lonesome out there, and you're going to see him catch the balls and get some yards. Uh, Alan Lazard, I think, is going to have a strong week. I think that he's going to get a lot of looks. I, I think he'll get a lot of, uh, of receptions. I don't know about touchdowns, but I definitely think that it's going to be a situation where um, – Sauce Gardner can't be on everywhere at once on the field, but I definitely think that Lazard will do some good on him. Adam Thielen uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, number one, the Dolphins, uh, who they're playing, they cannot handle the slot. They 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 have showed that time and again. And Adam Thielen's size is going to create a problem for Miami. Uh, and then also, I think that safety coverage pull down is going to go towards Justin Jefferson, which Jesus it should because it's Justin Jefferson at the end of the day. Um, so I think that you definitely need to sit yourself uh, if you have him get get him on your uh, get him on your starting lineup. Uh, I think that Jacoby Myers from the New England Patriots, he's you know what this is a guy he's getting it done quietly. He's not flashy. He's not he's not doing all these crazy things, but he's putting up points. That's most important. Uh, same thing with Tyler Boyd from the Cincinnati Bengals. Everyone's so concerned about Jamar Chase, but if you look at Tyler Boyd's numbers, they're not too terribly far off. Um, your DFS draft picks, uh, your your Christian Kirk from the Jaguars, your um, Gabe Davis from Buffalo, uh, and your Debo Samuels, you're going to be able to buy them incredibly cheap, and I think you're going to be able to uh, have yourself a good situation. Another one that I have on a boomer bust is going to be DJ Moore, the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Panthers are going to definitely have to keep him away from Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and I'm also wondering how PJ Walker is going to do with his quarterback for him. Uh, so again, more to continue on that. Um, your weaker starts, Amari Cooper going to new England. Again, don't think that's a good idea. Jerry Judy for the, uh, the Broncos going against the chargers. 
inside outside it is just not a uh, a good matchup uh broncos country is not riding right now uh juju smith schuster is you know what he said two really good games and then the rest of them have just just stopped forcing him in your lineup I, i'm guilty of it i try and he's just not he's just not he's just not doing it uh michael gallup from the cowboys um you with Darius Slay lurking, Gallup is just not an option right now. Uh, moving down to your tight ends, uh, of course, your Travis Kelsey's because, well, he can score four touchdowns in 25 yards. Uh, your Dallas Goddard's, your Zach Ertz, you know, those types of guys. Uh, I think that Taysom Hill is going to have a strong start against Cincinnati. Um, and I think that he's going to be a key part because you can line him up as a, he's a tight end on paper, but he lines up as a rushing back as a halfback, as a quarterback, he's like a 56 degree wedge in a golf bag. You can just use him for whatever problem you have and you'll eventually solve it. Unless if you get mad and throw your 56 degree wedge into a lake or a sand trap or you snap it or any of the things that I cannot confirm or deny that I may have done in my time on a golf course. Um, I think Evan Ingram going to, uh, with Jacksonville going to Indy. Uh, I think he, he finally started getting involved really in the offense last week. And I think that with Indianapolis's lack of coverage, on the tight end position, I think it's definitely going to help him. Um, I think that with, against Kansas City, that they're going to be so concerned about covering Stephon Diggs and those far out guys that if Dawson Knox, if he does return and does play this week, I think that mid area of the field, those those little cross routes, that's going to be his his strong because Kansas City is going to have that push defense to get out there. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. from the Vikings. Um, I just. Uh, he can get it done uh, with Adam Thielen. Same situation. Thielen and Jefferson going out and, and pushing. He's going to be able to sneak in and get some of those short passes. Um, some, you know, for FanDuel and DraftKings, Zach Ertz, you know, he it's one of those things you can buy him for cheap if you're in a situation. Um, he's, he's doing what he can. Um, but the good thing is, is that this game more than any of them so thus far is this is going to be a rebound for Ertz this week because the one weakness in Seattle's defense is, besides Jamal Adams, uh, is Seattle has a really hard time crush, uh, covering tight ends. Tight end numbers, if you go ahead and pull the line stats, tight ends are doing some work on Seattle's uh, defense. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Some of your weaker stars for tight end, uh, David Njoku from uh, Cleveland, if you notice. just Every Cleveland player, I'm telling you, just if you got him, don't start him. Um, Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys, uh, Tyler Conklin from the Jets. Um, Zach Wilson, number one, just doesn't use tight ends. I think that's starting to be proven. And the Packers have a really good short game uh, contain against tight ends. Uh, and then the same situation uh, with the Patriots and the, uh, with Hunter Henry is that I think that this is going to be more of a wide receiver game and they're going to be looking to air it out, not so much on those uh, – those little dump routes you would get to a tight end. So those are my startups and set-ups for your key positions. Uh, best of luck to you, except if you play me, then I, I hope I crush your soul. And uh, yeah, good luck. Like I said, start making those decisions week six, week seven. I know some leagues like week eight, week nine is going to be the trade deadline, sometimes week 10. Pay attention to those trade deadlines. Pay attention to your waiver wire. Uh, if you need to start making moves, make them. You know, I, I listen to that advice because well for multiple reasons. Because in one Yahoo league, because we're 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 both in Yahoo leagues together. Now, you know, Chris knows this. I guess I'll 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 let the public know because I believe in transparency. 
Well, not the whole time of the whole Falcon thing, but but <laughs> this this I'm definitely transparent on. Now in one because I'm facing the same dilemma. In one league, I believe I'm four and one. And, and in the other league, I'm just 0 and five. And that's just because I I screwed the pooch last year and and you know I, I kind of I put it. I put all my chips into the into the ante, and so I. So it, it sounded advice because I'm at that position where, or to be honest, I'm in the position where, for the right price, I'm willing to give up some players. Because to your point, I think you, if you don't have an idea, heck, I'd argue if you did, you'd had an idea last week, what kind of direction? Because when you look at your schedule. But also your record. Look at your definitely look at your record too, because if you feel like, oh wow, I can really, you know, win a string of games, then maybe. But if it's not enough to overtake or make any feasible positioning moves down the road, I, I suggest you just kind of stay away and just stick to the. I don't want to say a soft rebuild, but understand like like to me at zero and five. Listen, I'm putting the for sale sign on my team. Like if I can pull a art model and put the sign, mm-hmm. you know, move the team from Baltimore and head to Indianapolis, <laughs> then, that's you know, you know, because right now, listen, Kyle is not the pits. You know, I'll just I have to sell the word not, and like Kyle is the pits. So I, you know, listen, you know, t- times are hard, inflation, things are just difficult. But but to your point, before we close the show, was one name you talked about on there that really stuck out to me, and I've I've heard and read is Jacoby Myers. I think Jacoby Myers doesn't get the credit because a it's New England and and Jacoby Myers, I think he's been averaging like six receptions a game of the last couple of games. I don't have the number you know directly in front of me. But I I really like because I noticed his fancy numbers and I'm like and I'm noticing how he's doing it. It's not the sexy way of doing it. Like how we see like a potential like a maybe like a Justin Jefferson or have we see have we seen like Jamar Chase. But he's doing it in a way where it's effective, and it, 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 if he if he's on your roster, it, you start him. Variance upon what else is on your roster, you might win because those little points do matter. Like like let's be clear, those little po- points do matter, especially from a guy like Jacoby Myers. It's, it's definitely going to hit home. But but before we put this show on ice, like listen. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on the social at Twitter and TikTok at Letters underscore Brown. And also, I posted the preview for Thursday night's game between the one and four Washington Commanders and the at two and three Bears. Look, man, you know, uh, let, me, let, me, let me jump in here for a second. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess the, the theme of the show is I guess we can call it just meme of the week. And you know the the meme of uh, oh damn it um, Ben Affleck when he's like huffing on the back patio with a cigarette in his hand yeah that had to be what I looked like minus the cigarette when I saw who was playing Thursday night I'm just like dude are like really like are, 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 are we doing this right now and it's to the point so I you know so I'm in a situation where you know I'm flying home first thing Friday morning. I honestly don't know if I'm even going to watch the game. 
it's interesting. Because- and, and I hate saying that because I, I bitch about not watching football in the off season mm-hmm. and how much I hate it. And then like there's these games. Now I understand not every week is going to have these blowout crazy, yeah. you know, down to the yeah. wire games. But I'm like, dude, really, you're going to have Washington and Chicago on a Thursday night game. Like, like, like you, you look at the schedule and you see the teams whether it was last year, two years ago, whenever they make like, you knew both of these teams are trash two years ago and you knew they're still going to be trash today. Like, like put, put them on the sun, the Sunday four o'clock slot. So when you go out and you did some day drinking and you come home to take that nap. So before you go to have family supper and then come home by like eight 30 to watch that beautiful, gorgeous <laughs> blonde sing her songs for Sunday night football. You know, put them there when no one really cares. Don't put them on a Thursday night game when it's literally the only thing to watch. Like, Jesus, man, come on. Yeah, You know, I, I can make an argument, Chris, that, like I, like I said, if you watch the previews for my videos, I hope you guys do, I, I put work into it. But when I, when I covered the Giants and Packers, I mentioned this particular tidbit where that was the first game that was played in London where both teams entered the game with a winning record. So it goes to your point that we're we didn't send our best over there across the pond, and and we actually got a good football game. Like there's been good football games between the you know record wise, but that was the first game the Giants and Packers. Well, both of those teams were had above 500 records, and it was the second game international game of that same thing where we had two teams over 500. So it to me, Chris. And I'll say this before I put put a button on the show. Is is that sometimes for the NFL, it's not about quality, it's about quantity. Yeah, God, they're and, they're man. And so you you throw stuff like we all know, we all knew, like to your point, whenever the when it, when the schedules come out, you can project and be like, well. You know this team sucks. Why? Like, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> yeah, like, like it's like I think some people were shocked at the Colts and Broncos because the expectations. Broncos country, but I can't. I, I can't stop that. <laughs> Listen, all, all I'm all I'm gonna say on that is this: if you read somewhere that Sierra left Rust for future, that's because of me. Let's ride. That's right. Do you if think future that at home? I I swear. <laughs> I swear, if he says that at home, she's got to put him outside. Like, no, I'm like I hope, so. I hope like, so. Hey, hey, honey, hey, let's ride. Yeah, and I hope she throws him out. You know, one thing music-wise that I, w- I want to touch on real quick, you know, because we're sports and the world. Um, so, Brian Robinson, the the Washington, oh, the Washington this... player. Yeah, you knew I was going to bring this up, man. You know, the rookie gets just gets plugged. You know, uh, thankfully he survived. There are non-fatal gunshot injuries. Um, you know, and I'm happy to see this this young man come back and play at a professional level, and and come out and, and do his thing. So this is the first game last week that he was back, and as he's running onto the field when they're announcing him, his intro music was "Many Men" by Fifty Cent. So if you're not in the rap community or the rap game, or, or you didn't listen to 50 stuff back in the day, you know, I'm guilty as charged. I was, I was one of those, I was one of those kids that just ran and, and got, got the CD. I, I probably bought in the club 
and the Marshall Mathers LP. I would say I probably bought them about 10 times a piece because I'd buy them, my mother would find them, she'd snap them, throw them away, and I would just take my ass right back to the mall and just go buy another one. Easy, you just throw it in the gutter and go buy another. But you, you want to talk about making a statement. Coming back from a, 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 a gunshot is not an easy thing. And then to come back and play professional sports in a few weeks after it, yeah, I mean, it's... dude, what a, what a stud. And then to come out having that song in the back, I just I just thought that was just so gangster. You know, like, yeah. like what a way to say, like, you tried killing me and you failed. Like, good, good on him. And then to keep it on music real quick, um, the one thing, I mean, my inner emo teenager is screaming right now. Uh, in case you don't know the news, Blink-182 has... Oh, yeah, screamed. yeah. I am yeah. so excited. So their, their new album is dropping on Friday. Uh, it's called Edging, and then they announced that they're going on a world tour next year. Uh, yeah. So I'm very, very excited about that. I have not seen Blink-182 live in a number of years, so I am looking forward to that. And if you are a guy in your mid-30s who listened to punk rock growing up of Blink-182 and Green Day and all those other emo-type yeah. stuff, uh, you know, the fact that that Mark, Tom, and Travis are are, are back together, my, like I said, my little emo child is, inner child is screaming. I think literally yesterday I probably listened to Blink-182 for six hours straight. I mean, I, I started at okay. Dude Ranch just worked my way down man so i'm hyped about that so again it's sports in the world so wanted to touch on those things it's getting late i know we want to get out of here so i'll i'll leave it to you so so just to be clear he talks about the music and i just closed the show that that's that that i think that's a they think that's how it works i'm the yeah i i guess he's he's the main attraction i'm I'm the guy supposed to yeah ah nah, you're the brains of the operation man the brains yeah but it, listen i'll tell you this Listen, I'd rather listen to Blink-182 than to Brian Kelly ever speak a word of, of Louisiana ever again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, listen, carry me home from that, for the love uh, of God. I want to go that's, home now. That's just awful. 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 Anyway, so once again, follow the podcast, Facebook, once again, go check out, go check out the preview video I did for... The Commanders and Bears game. It's all over. It's on my. It's also all, all over my social media, and you can follow Chris at it. it it's Christagram on Instagram, and so remember, and, and MMA Twitter, pending Elon Musk signature on contract. Um, as soon as that, as soon as that happens, and I watch people just lose their minds over Elon Musk on Twitter, at that point, that's going to be my new trolling platform. I'm going to figure out if there is a Twitter jail. It is. It is. I'll, I'll, I haven't been in it, but I, I'm telling you right now. Just get your just get your money ready. I'm going to be commissary probably. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I get a text. Hey, can you send me like, wait, what, what is this? It's, Chris, it's 2 a.m. What is this? Uh, I'm locked up. I'm like Akon. I'm locked up. In the oh, All right, get me out of here. I quit. I'm done. Oh, folks, until. Oh, Jesus. Until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See you.